Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to Fire in the Valley. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we are joined by the David Wood. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning to you. I think we're, uh, yeah, good afternoon, I believe. Thank you, Pete. Yeah, it's afternoon and uh, happy to be on the show. Listen, great to have you on. So to give you a bit of background, so David is a former consultant uh, and consulting actuary for the Fortune 100 company companies. He built the world's largest coaching business, becoming number one on Google for life coaching and coaching thousands of hours in 12 countries across the globe. As well as helping other others, David is no stranger to overcoming challenges himself, having survived a full collapse of his paraglider and a fractured spine, witnessing the death of his sister at age seven, anxiety and depression, and a national gong show. He coaches high-performance business owners to double revenue and their time off by focusing on less and being 30% more courageous in their business or career. David, it's absolutely fantastic to have you on. So listen, it's, tell us. So you are, uh, we were just talking about this before the show, so you're from Australia, but you're in America, right? Yep. Yep, my parents uh, brought me to the US in 1985 and I really, really liked it. And then when I was about 20, I did a year of backpacking, which is compulsory for Australians. Uh, and um, just love America, love Americans. So I kept on gravitating back here. Uh, in 93, I got a job transfer to Park Avenue, which was a very exciting move. And I tried to leave a couple of times. So I just keep coming back. <laughs> nice way to be. Well, obviously, it's the writing's on the wall then for you to stay there. So. That's cool. So tell us, David, first of all, what, what does fire in the belly mean to you, David? I was thinking about this recently, and I was thinking that you know it, you know when you have it by looking at your actions. So when you look back and you go, or you look at your current life and you go, wow, I'm really diving into this. I'm really showing up, or I don't seem to take no from an answer. I'm just just going, going, going on this. Um, my mother used to say that when I was a kid, the best way to get me to do something was to say it couldn't be done. And it was like a red rag to a bull. <laughs> so I'm not sure if I know uh, how to get fire in the belly, but I think you know when you have it just by looking at what you're doing and how you're showing up. Well, that's, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, do you have it? Have you always had it? Where, where does it set with you, do you think? Well... There are, there are areas of my life where I have it and where I have had it and areas where, where I haven't, where I just couldn't really care enough. For example, I started an online business with a couple of friends in the Philippines, but I, it was just to make money. That was all it was for, and it wasn't adding any good to the world. And so the whole thing flopped because there was no fire in the belly. Um, but when I started coaching... I was calling everyone. I was asking all my my friends, "Hey, do you want to? You know, I'll give you half off. Uh, let's let's go for it." And then I hired a one of the leading coaches in Australia, and she coached me on speaking, speaking for clients. 
And uh, I went and did it and kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And then finally I realized I'm just not ready for this. So I took a six year break from speaking. And then when I came back, boy, did I nail it. Uh, it was like I was a different person up on stage. So the fire was back. And more recently, the thing that's got me juiced is I started telling people about a secret dream I've had for 10 years. Uh, just three months ago, I started saying May 1, 2022, I'm moving to Los Angeles to uh, devote myself to acting full time. I'm going to see what this acting stuff is all about. I've done almost no acting in my life and I, I want to start. And boy, since then, uh, I booked the lead in a professional production. So I'm playing Dracula here in a play. Uh, I've auditioned for an improv troupe called Playback Theatre and been accepted to that. I've got an acting class every week. I've got a singing teacher. And after this, I'm going to go and sit down with an acting coach. Um, and that's, oh, and I've got three short films booked and tomorrow I'm doing my first commercial. So I would look at all that and say, all right, I seem to have fire in the belly right now for acting. And that tells me that I'm on the right track. That's super interesting. So, I mean, it's almost like part of it is conscious and also part of it's unconscious. It's just, if you keep turning up and you're kind of going, hold on, this is becoming a bit of a habit, right? I've chosen to make the call. I've chosen to go out there as opposed to going the other way and saying I have to, right? So it's, there's a bit of a difference in energy there, right? Yeah, it's a big difference. Um, and this is pretty deep here, but Byron Katie would say, your body goes to the bathroom and you take the credit. Like we think we chose, we think we mm. consciously said, I'm going to go to the bathroom, but sometimes you just find yourself going and it's got nothing to do with us. And similarly with, with acting, I didn't sit down and say, I declare this, this is what I'm going to do. Here's my 10 point plan and dive into it. I just started speaking it and the universe responded and I didn't let that lie. I said, this is the universe knocking. And I found myself just naturally, uh, Googling how to do a German accent so I could I could read for Van Helsing and buying the script, reading right through it, memorizing the lines. I was the only one who auditioned who didn't have to look down at the script. Um, now, that wasn't conscious. It was just knowing I, if I'm going to audition, I might as well give it my best shot. And I was so stunned when when he said, we want to offer you Dracula because I thought there was no chance that I'd I'd have that. So part of it is just flowing and you look and see, wow, this is where my natural energy is. This is where my natural fire is. But then the other side of it, and because I'm a coach, I'm always like, well, what can we do intentionally? And we can, um, for example, go and hire a coach, right? If I want to accelerate at acting and get good at my craft and have a better chance of better gigs, I want to work with someone, not just in a four hour class with 12 people, because I'm not getting enough stage time, but one-on-one -on -one with someone so I can get better. Um, moving to LA is a conscious choice. I'm doing that to put myself in the best position. So I guess, yeah, it is a blend in this instance between flow and just like, wow, look what's happening. And so a set of deliberate actions that give me the best chance for that. I mean, looking back now, I mean, and you know, listen, you're you're only a, a fraction of the way through your life, but I mean, how much of it do you think has been conscious and how much of it's been unconscious? You know, how much have we, because I mean, you, you dipped a little bit almost heading towards the law of attraction there and, you know, sort of subconscious mind, you sort of hit on 
Well, without saying it, I mean, with, with different topics, right? So I'm just curious how much, how much, how much have you been intentional and how much is goal setting and, and, and actual belief? Wow. I, again, it comes back to the Byron Katie line of, you know, your body goes to the bathroom and, and you take the credit. So um, with coaching, I had experienced um, changing someone's life overnight when I was in a program and I was coaching them. And so I was excited about it and I wanted to do more. And they offered, look, if you come and do the next program, we'll train you as a coach. I'm like, okay, that, that's a no brainer. So I responded to that, but then it was a year and a bit before I actually, um, got my first client because I just got off doing other things. I just went in the flow of the universe. I actually decided that I wanted to be a one man entertainer. I wanted to be a play guitar and sing in pubs and parties and like that. So I quit my job, went back to Australia and very deliberately got into that. And the coaching was just on the back burner. The universe was handling that. And then I was auditioning someone for a duo because I couldn't sing. And um, she was having some issues in her life. And I said, well, why don't you be my first practice client? And I just, the universe had introduced me to someone who was in a coaching program. I said, what? That's a thing? Like you're getting paid for it? Um. So, you know, these things kind of popped up and then I said yes to them. And then it all got very intentional. I went and called some people. I sat down with a mentor. He let me uh, take his training for free. And uh, then I hired a coach. So I think that was a mix of the universe. Just waiting till it was the right time. And then, okay, there's a spark here. Let's fan it. And now, and now we're going full out. And that was 20 something years ago. And I've almost never stopped coaching. So again, I think the universe has something to do with that. I, I might've, it fanned the flames in the beginning. Then David took over for a while, but I really think it's got a hand in this. That's cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lovely way to look at it, right? You know, you're sort of being, turning up what you're saying and what I'm getting here is that you're turning up and being the best version of you, but where it goes is, is up to the universe, right? It's you're here to, take part and just be, be there every, every day that you can. Right. Is that, is that a fair statement? Yeah. You know, it seems like a marriage, maybe it's like a marriage between our, our individual selves and our intention and the universe. Um, this has got me thinking about, like, I've just met someone recently who's an extraordinary woman. And after two dates, we decided that we would just see each other exclusively and see what's here, see what, what wants to happen. And I, like in many ways, I feel like it's out of my hands. Uh, we're at like step three out of 300, but, um, but there are things that I can do as well. I can carve out time to make sure that we get to connect in our busy schedules. Mm. I can, um, try and be as kind as possible. I can try and be as transparent and authentic as possible, even when I'm, I'm nervous to do so. So there's, there are things that I can do, but to think that it's within, wow, my mind's starting to seize up a little bit because, you know, you do a course like Landmark Education, the Landmark Forum, and it's all about you can be committed. And this is where the, the marriage might come into play. You can be committed to something even if you don't know how to do it. Hmm. So Martin Luther King freeing the slaves, Gandhi freeing India, 
maybe Mother Teresa feeding the poor. We absolutely committed and yet not know if it's going to happen. And I heard a landmark forum leader say once when he got married, he got clear that it did not matter who he married. Now, that's a bold, provocative statement. And of course, we can debate it. But I think the point of it was no matter who he married, he could show up and make that marriage a success. And that's a powerful place to be. So if we show up fully committed and then the universe decides to take a hand in it, magic can happen. But it's recognizing that, right? Isn't it? It's getting out of your own way because how often are we consciously led? You know, it's whatever our beliefs are, expectations, those around us, whatever. And we, we go off down that track for potentially a lifetime if we're not careful before we actually sit back and say, what am I good at? What do I love? What's my passion? You're are you than, saying you're saying we can get into habits and just get into like like a default? Absolutely, habit. yeah. I mean, yep. you know, it's expectations, beliefs, parents, teachers, whatever. Lay it all on thick, and you know. Oh yeah. You know, it's, you get lost. I, I think we're all living in our own individual matrix from the movie The Matrix. We've all, you know, this is how it looks, and we get on autopilot. And oh, so this came to me yesterday, and we've we've been talking about this. It came to me that there are two broad paths or strategies in life. You can go with the flow mm -hmm. and respond to what happens. And many of our greatest teachers teach us this. Just be in the moment, be in the now, enjoy what is and magic happens. Um, the other path is I will be intentional. I will be deliberate. I will be committed. I will be cause in my own life. And I think both of those are extremely valid and you don't have to pick one or the other. You can do a blend of the two. Um, yeah. And it's so like, which is true now for Byron Katie, I, she seems to blend it. She, she seems to really be in the moment and, and welcoming and loving everything that is. And there's a part of her that says, keep on going until the whole world has this work. And she's absolutely driven. And so I imagine she sits with people and they strategize and they work out what they're going to do. And then she goes back to living in the moment. Eckhart Tolle says, um, instead of, and I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this quote, but it, it, to paraphrase, what we usually do is let the mind run, possesses us. And the mind is trying to drive and, and, and work out everything. And then we have brief moments of being present. And in the flow, he says, let's reverse it. Let's live mainly in the present, in the flow, making brief trips to the mind to create and plan and organize and then come back. Now, I'm a student of this stuff. If I knew it better, I could, I could tell everyone how to do it. My main thing is the intentional side, being a coach. People come to me, they want to change something. They want to change their revenue. They want to change their time off. They want their relationships to be better. They want to love their life more. They want to see what they can do if they really play full out, play for real. So that's normally where we play. But sometimes when they're pushing too hard, and they're not having any fun. It's like, hey, maybe it's time to come back and let this one, you know, let this one flow. That's a, I mean, that's a great, I mean, saying or principle you, you work to, right? So you talk about, you know, playing safe is, 
you know, it's the most dangerous thing you can do. I mean, that that's something, you know, you, you sort of talk about. So can you break that down for us and, and how it relates here? Yeah. Yeah. We seem to gravitate as humans towards a comfort zone. And I think that's an evolutionary trait. If you kept jumping off cliffs to see what's at the bottom, we wouldn't last very long. So, all right, I know this food source works. I'm going to keep eating that. I know this person's pretty comfortable and safe and hasn't killed me yet. I'm going to stick with them. I think that all makes sense. The risk, though, now that we've evolved to the point where most times when you step foot out your door, you're not risking your life and our lifetimes are getting longer and longer. The things we're afraid of now are mostly unlikely to kill us. You go back, say, 500 years, 1,000 years, maybe it's a tiger that could kill you or an armed set of bandits. Now, for many people, it's more, I'm worried that I'm going to feel awkward. I'll feel rejected. I'll feel small. Small. This person's going to be angry at me. Uh, this, I'll ask this woman out and she's going to reject me. Uh, I just posted something quite embarrassing on Facebook yesterday and a part of me was like, Dude, you could hurt your reputation. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what it was. I was playing Dracula out on the mountain. It's an outdoor production, and Dracula sat himself on a cactus. I'm not joking. Prickly pear sat on a cactus. Now, I don't know if I've done that in the last 20 years, but those little little prickles, you can't find them. You can't get them out, and they really hurt and and great and so i had to go to the nearest men's bathroom get naked stand in the stall and smear elmer's woodwork glue on my butt which is what the hiking leader brings along in case anyone sits on a prickly pear and i'm standing there waiting for it to dry and trying not to laugh because it'd be weird to hear crazy laughter coming from from a bathroom stall and i decided to post it and you know the evolutionary trait is oh maybe don't do that it's taking a risk maybe people go oh, this guy's not professional i'm not going to hire him blah 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 but most of these things aren't going to kill us so the risk is that if we keep sticking to the comfort zone when we do come to that time and we're on our deathbed we're looking back i think it's very few people who would say I wish I hadn't risked as much. I wish I'd played it safer. I wish I'd been more comfortable. I think it's more like, I wish I'd gone for it. I wish I'd asked for what I wanted in the bedroom. I wish I'd said no to the things that didn't work for me. I wish I'd had those awkward conversations to see where they might have gone. I wish I'd asked that celebrity for an endorsement or those 10 people to work with me or gone and swim with dolphins or become a dancer or whatever it is. So let's find our edge. I'm not saying go way past our edge because we don't want to traumatize ourselves. I've done that and it's no fun. It's counterproductive. But let's find where the comfort zone ends and start exploring what what does the adventurer in me want? What does that look like? What does it look like in business, in my job, in my relationships? If I wasn't run by this comfort zone thing, what would I be doing? You don't have to do everything on that list but it's definitely worth making the list. So just break down comfort zone for us. I mean, how does a comfort zone serve us? You know, and what, what is it there? Why do we latch onto it? And, and how do we burst through it? I suppose is maybe a better question. 
Yeah. Well, again, I think one reason we latch on to it is the evolutionary trait. It's like, if I stay here with, with what works, I'll get to live another day. It's just that I don't think living another day should be the only goal. Hmm. Right. Like, you know, going back 500, a thousand years, longevity would be, would be the main thing. Can I just survive this day, this week, this year? Can we get through another winter? Can I put food on the table? Can I survive bandits? Now it turns more to, to other things, which we have the, the freedom now, the luxury of putting a higher value on self-expression. I, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know that that mattered before I did the landmark forum. They said, if you do our third program, you will be self-expressed in every area of your life. And if you're not, it will be an integrity issue for you. I was like, what the hell does that mean? That's some self-help, new age bullshit jargon. But once I did the program, I looked back and realized, I look back and I see now, yeah, if I want to sing and I'm not singing, it feels off for me and I need to go and do something about it. If I have this call to acting and I'm not doing it, it feels off. If there's something awkward between me and someone else and I'm not talking about it with them, something in me says, yeah, that that's out of integrity for you. You, you need to address it. So um, I think I got off track on the question. The, what was the question again? Um, I've actually lost it now myself because it was quite wrapped up there in terms of, I mean, one is the question I suppose I have now is, you know, how much are you intuitively led? So how much is, do you think it's, it's a conscious question or whatever, how much of it is, what do I feel? What am I sense here? Rather than sort of staying away from the thinking mind and the knowing mind, we're trying to, you know, get into the, the sensing and the intuitive mind. Is that something key for you? I wish it was more so. And I think the last 20 years have been me heading more in that direction. I grew up very left-brained. I had some trauma as a kid, shut down my emotions and didn't know that that's what was happening. It wasn't until I went to therapy that started to work out, oh, and as a trauma response, apparently people learn to jump over the emotions and jump straight to some kind of solution. So I'm very good at that. Numbers, business, systems. And then the last 20 or so years, I've been trying to become more aware of what my body's saying. Like, am I tense in the shoulders? Am I feeling a contraction in my belly? Do I, um, I mean, recently I was just feeling a real hesitancy to even to go on a date with this wonderful woman. And it's like, what is that? Let's go deeper. Let's find out what was going on. So I want to be more intuitive and I have such respect for the people who say, like I said to Byron Katie, what do you think about this business proposal? Do you want to do it? And she said, thank you and no. And I said, why? Right? Because I'm looking for a left brain response. And she said, because I just don't know to say yes. That was it. How do you argue with that? She didn't, she didn't have any logical reason that just her intuition she didn't have a yes that was enough so i think that's i think that's wonderful and i again i have this story that i'm in control and i go for being in control and my clients have a similar story too it's like all right we're going to do this oh look you just doubled revenue that's great let's play that game but i do think the universe is is really 
coming in in different ways. Like, why am I in Boulder? Okay, I was in Boulder in 1990. That's when I first came to Boulder and loved it and thought I could retire here one day. And then 20 years later, a friend of mine keeps talking about Boulder and says, you should come and meet the crew here. We've got a good crew. And he'd been talking about it for three years. And finally, I said, I think it's time. I'm going to come and meet the crew and see what it's like. And maybe that's my new place to live. And he, and he said, help me decide if we're going to live here or not. Well, I'm, I came to see him. He decided to move to San Francisco. And I said, sorry, dude, this is too good. And so here I am. Now, I trust that this is the perfect place for me to be. Can I prove it? No, but I like it here and I'm still here. Now, if I actually go to Los Angeles, that's my intention, right? That's the willpower saying, go to Los Angeles and pursue acting. Maybe that'll work out really well. Maybe I won't get there. Maybe things will take off in Boulder so much that I act here or I end up somewhere else in the country. I have no idea, but I like the story that I'm in control and we play a game as if we can actually create it and make it happen. And that game in and of itself is fun. I mean, are you where you're supposed to be? Yeah. Again, I can't prove it, but there's, there's nothing pulling me to be anywhere else. And I'm having a really good time right here. So I trust that this is where I'm supposed to be until I'm somewhere else. Just like, you know, you'd see a piece of trash on the ground. I would see it and I get it. I get angry every time. Really, really, really annoys me. Cigarettes in particular. People throw cigarette butts on the ground. After doing all the Byron Katie work, what I came up with was that's exactly where that trash should be until I pick it up. No more, no more anger about it. It's like that's where it should be until I change it. And with that mindset, I mean, is that is that sort of cleared for you, or, or do you do you work to a life principle? Do you believe you have a calling or a purpose, if, if, for want of a better word? Or I, I mean, do. do you work to a life principle? Is is it more about principles than than actual physical destinations as such? I do think there are some guiding lights. Uh, the Fonzarelli Code, right? Arthur Fonzarelli had a had the Fonzarelli Code. Um, but again, we can discover these things by looking at our actions, looking at our life. When I look at my life altogether, I can see that what I tend to do over and over is to bring lightness to any serious situation. So when we're getting too intense, too down, too heavy and taking things so seriously, I'll be the jester. I'll be the court jester, you know, having everybody laugh or having people realize um i've got a friend who's got a stalker right now and is getting violent death threats and you know obviously is taking that very seriously and uh when he was talking about taking a break going away for a week i said and probably don't tell your stalker where you're going like just as a practical thing right we had a bit of a laugh about it um I, you know, I want to give the stalker a funny name like Gerald or, or um, Bartholomew or something just, just to bring some lightness because I had a teacher that once said, don't take it too seriously. And uh, he's an acronym for that it was very un-PC. It was DTITS, but it helped us remember it. DTITS, don't take it too seriously. And I try and bring that all the time. 
So that's one of my guiding lights. Um, but I don't have to think about that. I don't have to do anything about it. That's just, that's just how it is. Transparency is a combination of that's just how it is and my commitment to show myself, to be real, even if it's embarrassing or particularly when it's embarrassing. I have this faith that that will be a contribution to the world because whenever people have done that with me, I've gone, wow, you can say that? You can, you can say that on stage? You can admit that? And they, they didn't go down in my estimation, they went up. So ever since seeing that, I model, I model my life on play and authenticity slash transparency, same thing, and courage. I, if I'm afraid of it, I tend to lean into it. My psychiatrist called me counterphobic, um, which to a point can be actually very beneficial. I, I never like the idea that fear is going to run me because it felt, it's felt so bad when that happens. Like as a kid, not standing up to the bully in school and not asking the girls out that I was attracted to felt terrible. And I wish I'd, I wish I'd just gone and punched a bully on the nose and taken a beating just once. Just once. I wish I could go back and do that. Um, or, or asked, say, 10 of those girls out in a year and maybe I would have gotten nine no's. Maybe I would have gotten 10, but I would have asked. What's the old saying? It's, it's, is it better to have loved and to lost or not to have loved at all, right? It's not, ask the question, as you say, what's 10 no's or the possibility of a yes, which is, which is better on the, on the scale, right? Well, I think you bring up another great point about, um, it's better to love even for a short time. It's better to have money even for a short time. It's better to have these experiences. But the point that feels so important to me is there's value simply in being expressed. There's value in simply knowing that you went for it. You can rest easy. Hey, I got to know, but I asked. You know, I was at an event uh, with some big names in the transformational space, like John Gray from Mars and Venus and Jack Canfield from uh, Chicken Soup. Uh, and, and I was a bit starstruck there, but I still went up to Jack after he came off stage and said, yeah, that book you just mentioned you're writing, you want any help? And he laughed and he said, no, I'm good. But if I change my mind, I know where you are. Now, how many pictures would he get a year, right? And normally I wouldn't have thought of it, but he dangled it there when he was up on stage saying he wanted to get around to writing this book and it wasn't happening. I'm like, that's the universe knocking right now. I felt good that I asked. Hmm. Um, I, at that same event, I remember going up to, uh, I went up to an amazing woman and said, I want to coach you. And I ne almost never do that with someone. I'm just like, you're amazing. I think we could do a lot together. I want to coach you. Um, and I went up to an Oscar winning producer, movie producer and said, can I do a ride along with you on your next shoot? Um, I think there were four bold requests I made. I got one yes and three no's, but I realized the win was the asking. Hmm. The win was knowing that I gave it a shot. When people see successful people, I think they just assume, oh, well, they've got different genes or they know something I don't know or they got lucky. You don't see the thousands of things that they did that went nowhere. 
right? Like, oh my goodness, I'm auditioning for maybe 12 things a week in acting. So yeah, I, I told you about the three films I'm doing unpaid. I told you about the paid commercial, which I'm thrilled about. And I told you about two other things I got. I didn't tell you about the, what are we up to now? hundred, the hundred things I applied for that I never even heard back from. So to me, it's about being expressed. And then the bonus is that you're playing the law of large numbers. You're, you're, you're using the law of large numbers. Uh, eventually one of those responses has to be a yes. It has to be. You can't, you can't ask a thousand times to get a thousand no's. The odds defy you. So just keep playing the large, large numbers. Keep, I, this is a terrible example, but I, I was once at a bar and left my girlfriend alone for a couple of minutes while I went to the bathroom. And I came back and this creepy looking dude is, is, is there kneeling by her, her chair, talking to her, hitting on her. And when I came back to the table, he kept on hitting on her. And I got really curious about his life like is is this how it goes for you like each evening and he said try 10 and you get two those were his stats you mm. try 10 and i was like my god one in five that's amazing now i'm not suggesting that everybody go and do this i'm pointing out you keep on asking for what you want and keep on going for it one, you get to feel good about yourself that you went for it, even though the no may not have felt good, right? That can feel, oh, you know, a bit crushing or whatever. When you say, I went for it and you can hold your head up. And two, you might just start getting more yeses. And I really do believe this is what separates a lot of the people who are considered more successful to those who, from those who aren't that they will try, they will go for it. They will not take the first no sometimes. They will not take the second no sometimes and they'll keep on being charmingly persistent, ideally, until they get what they want. I mean, that to me describes, it's listen, it's passion, it's fire in the belly, it's whatever. It's like, how many no's do you need? And it's like, I take as many no's as I have to get until I get the yes. It's not about the no's, it's about the yes. And it's, this is just part of the process, right? Where so many people hear the first no and fall down. Yeah, well, I would tweak that. I, I don't think it's about the yes either. I think it's about the question. Mm. It's about the asking. That's what it is. Put yourself out there. Be you. And then, yeah, maybe you get a yes. That'd be nice. You'll get more yeses. But I think it's about the question. What are you most proud of, David? I'm proud of being happily divorced to a wonderful woman. Um, you know, I just love, she was the first love of my life and, and we got married and the marriage didn't work out too well, but I'm very proud of the fact that we're uh, still in touch, that I love her dearly. And a couple of years ago, I went and visited her, her new husband and, and stayed with, with them and their six-year-old boy who calls me Uncle David. So I'm proud of that. And I'm proud of finally being able to be myself on stage. That was something I've wanted for a long, long time. I was so nervous and so worried about being a fraud. I still get really nervous, but I can actually be myself. And it's, it's like night and day up there. And I think it has a much bigger impact on, on people 
and hopefully gives them permission to be themselves. So I guess if we take that even broader, I'm, I'm proud of my level of transparency, mm. my level of being me and showing myself what's and all. Um, that's been that's been 53 years in the making. Have you ever been this version of you before? I mean, I suppose I'm talking about childhood where before a lot of the stuff of life gets layered upon us. I mean, do you think you've been this version before or, or is this you in your truest form right now? I don't know. I, you know, I, theoretically, I could say that there's probably a time at a, as a kid where I was very expressed and saying everything, but uh, normally life jumps on that pretty fast and parents can can have a, a part in that as well and you just learn oh no i shouldn't say that i can't ask for that i'll get in trouble i can't be angry i can't yell or or you know might get whacked on the backside um you know we get we get squished so there theoretically might have been a time but i don't remember that i just remember growing up uh being me and then i discovered there was a whole other world out there that involved intimacy, vulnerability, transparency, leadership, true influence. And, uh, you know, I think once you've had a taste of that, I don't know how you'd ever go back. Hmm. What are, what are some non-negotiables for you? I mean, what, what are the things that you just don't bend to intend? This is, this is lying. Me. Okay. Lying. Yeah, I, I remember having this moment of clarity once with um, one of my ex-partners who I, st again, I, I still love her and we're in touch. Um, when she just withheld something, there was there was something in the, we just started dating and there was something that she kind of kept a secret. It wasn't a lie, but it was something I should have known. And, um, and I said to her, look, I understand if you want to live like that. A lot of people do. But that's not the kind of relationship I'm looking for. If you want to be with me, then this is the only way that it'll work for me. We tell each other uh, we have no lies and we have no big withholds like this. I've since learned that there's a space for privacy. You might just have something that you want to keep yourself. And it's like the world doesn't have to know it. Even your partner doesn't have to know it. But it's things that are going to affect the other person. I said, let's not have that. And if you don't want that, let's just lovingly end it here. Um, what do you say? And she said, no, let's do it. And to my knowledge, to my knowledge, the five years that we were together was, uh, was five years of telling the truth, especially when it was hard. So that's a non-negotiable for me in my, in my relationships. And then another one seems to be uh, kindness. I had a, a tenant downstairs and uh, he was pretty good for the first few months. And then something happened that triggered him. And he was, I got a string of like furious messages. And I tried to use everything I had to defuse the situation. I listened, I recreated his world. I reflected it back to him. I'm like, okay. I said, now can you hear my side of it? He couldn't, had no interest uh, after, after me hearing his whole world and validating it, he uh, figured that I was delusional. And I was like, wow, 
wow, this, this doesn't work. And then he had a fight with someone at one o'clock in the morning and woke me up. And I'm like, I just, I am not willing to have that in my life. My nervous system isn't that robust anyway. And so, um, kindness, I tend to, the, the more, the older I get, the less drama, which is ironic since I'm now an actor, but the less drama I want in my life. So uh, it's okay if other people have it, but if you're likely to have a lot of drama, um, you know, have things, you know, some people have things happen around them. They just, I don't know why it happens. They get in a car accident, then another car accident, and then, and then you know, get arrested for something. And then maybe there's a drinking problem. I, I just, I can have care and compassion, but I don't tend, I tend to not have that in my life. I think I've had enough drama as a, uh, in my life that I, I, I really value peace now. And I didn't before, before I wanted entertainment, excitement, and, uh, I still want entertainment excitement, but since doing all the Byron Katie work, I now realize that peace is a very important goal. Have you, through that process, I mean, do you find yourself quite intuitive? Or do you pick up on energy? Or are you perceptive of what's going on around you and other people? Or is that something that's evolved for you? I, you've asked me one of the trickiest questions for me to answer. Uh, whatever my awareness is around energy, I think it might be unconscious competence. Okay. So I'm not aware of what I'm doing. I've always said, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I can't see auras. I can't see energy. I don't know what you're talking about when you talk about this. And yet I've dated a couple of tantricas, uh, tantric teachers. And um, when if I'm massaging someone or if I just put my hand on someone, I can sometimes feel this is the wrong spot. This, this isn't where my hand should be. And I put it somewhere else and be like, oh, yeah. That's the right spot. So I, I, I just think I'm the wrong person to ask about that. I went to an energy healer because I thought, let's see if he can teach me to be more aware of energy in my body and maybe help me move energy through my body. Well, I liked what he was doing. And sometimes I really did feel some wild stuff in my head. I'm like, wow. So that's, I'm like, oh, okay, this stuff is real. Um, but I don't know that I learned anything more about it. Any competency I have in moving energy through my body, I'm pretty sure is, uh, is unconscious. I did learn 20 years ago to put my hand on my belly and another hand on my heart. Someone taught me that and I do that every night when I go to sleep and it feels so grounding. So I trust that. You're, are you a head or a heart typically? Are you which which are you led by? Huh. I'm hugely led by my head. You know, the the head wants to run the show. It wants to run the show, but it's getting smart enough to say sometimes, okay, I can't run the show. I had an anxiety uh, attack a couple of weeks ago, and it was pretty, it was pretty scary. So I went to my therapist and I said, what's going on? And the therapist said, sometimes you're going to have to disengage from the content. You can't think your way out of it. 
and he taught me how the um, animal brain will take over the whole show and the the cortex will be a slave to the animal brain and it'll start looping trying to come up with solutions and trying to handle things and just going round and round and making it worse and that was fascinating to hear that it's like wow sometimes i have to disengage from the content and just start doing some regular breathing and calm the body down physiologically and then maybe the 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 the, the cortex can get back involved so it, it's a lifelong journey of taking a tool that's been so powerful and using it a little less frequently. I mean, that, that, that inner voice, are, are you nice to yourself? I mean, are you good to yourself? How is the, how is the voice or voices in your head? Mainly, mainly, uh, and getting better and better, I think. But you know, the thing with that inner voice is it's so insidious, it's so quiet, it's so in the background that you don't always know it. Um, in this dating, uh, in this relationship that, that I'm in right now, it, it, it's, it just creeps in and it says, oh, you can't say that, um, she won't be happy with that, or it won't be enough. You can't say, hey, why don't we get together for an hour and a half? Cause you got to show up more. You got to be there three hours or being tired's not good. She's not going to like it if you're tired. Like there's, and that's basically saying, David, you're not enough. So it's still there and it comes up a lot, but now there's also a very positive voice that will sometimes say, good job. And man, you nailed that. And that was, that was really hard to do. And you really cranked it. I'll sometimes say that out, out loud. I'll, I'll open the fridge and see that I've got really healthy food in there. And I'll say, David, you legend, good job. So I think it's important to balance out the voice. And then also I've used this Byron Katie work so often that some of the voices that used to really get me down, um, I can still hear them, but I don't believe them anymore. That's really what the Byron Katie works about. It's not getting rid of those voices. It's, it's, do you still believe them? Because it might say, oh, you're not enough. You're, you're too tired for this. Or she, she's going to break up with you because of this. But once you've done the Byron Katie work, you can still hear that thought, but go, all right, I know that one. That's fine. I, we're not going to follow that to, you know, any further because we've already investigated it and it doesn't seem like it's got any meat to it. Hmm. It's fascinating, isn't it? You know, the way we sort of, the way we talk to ourselves, the way we, the voices we use, whether it's our voice, somebody else's voice, you know, it's always, you know, people sort of say, oh God, you know, it sounds a bit crazy that I talk to myself, but we all do it, right? It's all, it's there. It's the, it's the running script and narration in your head of what's going on. So. Oh, it's so, Marion Williamson said the ego is suspicious at best, vicious at worst. And, oh, it can be so, so brutal. I'm too fat. I'm too old. I'm too short. I'm the wrong color. I'm um, too single. I'm too poor. Right? You know, like my legs should work. This blah, 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 with the almost endless list of what's wrong. Now, I see the value in it. Without an ego, we wouldn't, we might not eat. 
So I see the value of it, you know, trying to be, you should be different, you should be better, you should fit in, you should whatever, because then maybe people will like us and we'll get fed. It's an evolutionary trait. But again, many of us are beyond absolute survival. And I think it's time to go for, for higher goals. Like, what would peace be like in my own mind? What would it be like to be confident in myself? What would it be like to love myself? Uh, I think these are all lofty and worthy goals. What are you capable of, do you know? What am I capable of? Mm. I haven't found many limits. I, as of so far, I don't seem to be able to draw at all. So I, I notice I'm going to what I'm not capable of. Um, can't seem to draw, but my experience is um, some things I try and I, I, I'm very good from the beginning. And so it's, it's exciting. I'll keep, keep at it. And some things might take a lot of long, hard work. I, this is my third singing teacher in 20 years. Uh, I'll do like six months and then get busy with other stuff and then I'll come back. And this is, doesn't seem natural at all. I think it's going to be a lot of work for me to be a good singer. I think the answer is I'm not sure that there's much that we're not capable of. It's a matter of, is it a journey that's going to be fun? Is it a journey that's going to be worth the investment to get there? I've got a friend who's um, creating a product that he wants to bring to market and he's been at it for a few years now. And, you know, it's like, should he keep going? Should he keep going? Should he not? Seth Godin wrote a book about this called The Dip. And he said, look, if I had millions of dollars, I'd be doing this anyway. It's like, all right, it's a labor of love. This is right for you. For other people, yeah, you, you, could, you could be a, a, you know, a famous actor. You could be um, a successful entrepreneur. You could be a ballerina. You could be anything. You may not want to put in the 10 years. I think it was Meissner, Sanford Meissner, the acting teacher who said, um, yeah, just keep doing it for another 10 years. You'll get good. He might've said 20 years, but it was like, you know, if you want to be a master at something, do it. Do it a lot for 10 years. And so not everyone wants that, right? There are things that I'm not, I'm not going to do the investment, many of those things. But I think, I think we're capable of almost all of it. Okay, maybe not everyone can be a NASA scientist, right? You may not have some of the, the building blocks that you need for things like that. But we tend to, we tend to just go, ah, couldn't do it too hard, too easily. And I think it's good to have someone poke us a little bit. Say, well, is that true? Is that true? You know, let's look at how it could be fun. I mean, how, how quick do you think we subscribe or unsubscribe? You know, when we, when we turn up to something or something floats our boat or feeds our passion. I mean, is, is it as quick as saying, actually, although consciously I might sort of say, yeah, yeah, I'll do this. Actually, subconsciously you're like, yeah, we're not fully enrolled here. Do you think it's quick? I think it depends on the person. Um, there are loads of things I just say no to. 
someone just said to me I should check out Joe Dispenza's work uh, today. And I'm like, man, I've heard of it a few times over the years. It just doesn't call to me. I'm not going to do it. Um, but then there are other things I'm like, I just, I guess maybe I've been waiting and I didn't know it. And I'm like, you know, like come and audition to this thing. Oh, that's what I needed, needed that push. And then I think other people might, it might take a lot longer for them to listen. Hmm. You know, they might get around. It took me 10 years to get around to really going for this acting thing. I dabble, I dabble. And then I'd go to two auditions for a commercial and I'd do a short film and then something had happened and I just, you know, come away from it. But I love that I, I'm coming back keep coming back that's probably a good sign too if you keep coming back to something squash i started squash when i was 12 years old i must have given up squash or stopped playing maybe five times in my life keep coming back can't stay off that court keep coming back so maybe the universe will have its way with us despite our best efforts that's the old thing isn't it was it someone said you know it's it's impossible to kill yourself by holding your breath you know, because eventually the body goes, okay, I'm just going to faint you <laughs> and uh, we'll take back over again if you're going to be an right. idiot. <laughs> so, yep. I, I just noticed I, I have I have 60 seconds before I have to join another Zoom call. No worries. Cool. And well, this listen, has been awesome. Thank you, listeners. It's great to be on. So tell me in one or two words, what's fire in the belly? What is it for you there, David? What is fire in the belly? Hmm. You're fire it's in the belly. You, it's you loving something consistently. Wow. It's powerful. And quickly tell us where can people reach out and follow you, track you down? Thank you. Uh, I created a link that'll take you to a hidden page on my website where you can request a session with me. If you uh, want to see if we might be a fit as coach and client, if you're already up and running with a business that's successful and you want to fly higher and further, you can go to myfocusgift.com. There's also a couple of downloads there that, that could really help you a lot in your business. Super. David, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. And uh, until the next time, well, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for the deep questions, Mighty Pete. You're very welcome. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that. And then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon, and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons, and successes. So, all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly, and be the mightiest version of you. 